are listening to Policy, Guns and Money, the Aspie podcast with me, Olivia Nelson. In the penultimate episode of Aspie's special podcast series, the Sydney Dialogue Summit Sessions, Justin Bassey speaks to Kastutis Budras, National Security Advisor to the President of the Republic of Lithuania. They discuss Australia's relationship with Lithuania, including how they're partnering to address shared challenges, and Russia's war on Ukraine and how it has galvanised Europe. Well, it is absolutely fantastic to welcome the National Security Advisor to the Lithuanian President, Kasutis Budras, uh, to the ASPI podcast. Uh, Kasutis is here in Sydney this week as a speaker at the Sydney Dialogue. And as National Security Advisor to the Lithuanian President, Kasutis is at the forefront of strategies to counter the malign activities of both Beijing and Moscow, and policies to partner with global friends such as Australia. Uh, Kasutis, welcome and fabulous to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting and to uh, ASPI organized conference in dialogue and to this podcast. Wonderful. Australia and Lithuania have grown closer, thanks in part to our common experience of economic coercion. It does say a lot that you are here. And let me say it's an absolute honor for ASPI to be hosting you. Uh, it is also fabulous to uh, have in the room here um, the, uh, the most excellent uh, ambassador, Darius, uh, who does a great job for Lithuania-Australia relations. Uh, let me start uh, with why you're here, Kusuda. So why Australia? Why so far uh, away from Lithuania, and the, uh, which is at the front line of uh, Russia's war uh, on Europe, on Ukraine? Uh, why is it so important for you to be here in Australia uh, and for Australia to be a vital partner with Lithuania? The recent events, and not only the last year, but also the ones from the previous years, when we had the tensions with China and when we experienced the all types of coercive measures that were applied against, against us, uh, showed us and proved to us that we have to reach out for other partnerships, the ones that we were not developing so much uh, before. And uh, when the war started in, in Ukraine, it just made more clear what are the fundamental things for our national security and uh, the partnerships are of critical importance and it's not only in within the alliance or within the region of uh, of europe but but also globally and we have to reach out to the countries that we share values with that we base our national security interest on and that we can rely on on each other in the in the form of assistance that is why australia's role in supporting ukraine politically and and also with other means and including the uh, military means and, and the lethal weapons that is the really important thing for the stability creation in europe and that is additional element that builds the our common future looking in how we will tackle the other challenges because the international system is shaken and shaken badly and uh, we lost the the ways and the methods and procedures how we solve the problems in a peaceful way we have the aggressive uh, countries building up their muscles and building building their militaries so it, it all shows that in, in the future there will be the harsh more harsh times than we are living right now so that's why we have to get in closer understand each other each other better and to develop the policies and the tools and the methods how to tackle the challenges uh, fabulous the, you're exactly right the international system has been shaken but in part it's shaken out a really close relationship between lithuania and australia based on that combination of values and interests Lithuania, Kostutis, has long understood the threat from Moscow 
and has taken some very firm actions uh, in recognition of the threat over quite a long period of time. Can you take our listeners through some of the key decisions that has resulted in Lithuania um, being one of the few countries that is not so dependent on Russian energy and finances and therefore being less vulnerable to coercion? That's that's a long history that long history. Well, you know, in security policy wise, long history that a couple of decades of of uh, history of us uh, testing, discussing different countermeasures that uh, are inevitable in, in our case. Because uh, remembering where we were even before the membership in EU and NATO, what concerns uh, Russia's influence, uh, that was that was the huge dominance in economy and in, in, in economy means energy, transport different spheres through which they were interfering in, in, in our political decisions and, and like business elites and, and with all the corruptive practices that they were bringing with their investments. They were even you know, at, at, the, at the expert level, even the articles written in Lithuania, what concerns international relations, saying that, okay, security-wise, Lithuania probably will be part, then it was before the NATO membership, will be part of the Western world, but economically and then uh, somehow in the energy field, we will be probably left with the post-Soviet Union, because at that point it looked like there are no other ways out. And uh, what, what, what we decided to do, that uh, we have to reduce all our dependencies, because this is the huge vulnerability and the main channel of influence coming from Russia. So we started with energy, that we had the 100% uh, energy, oil dependence, 100% natural gas dependence. We were, we were independent with we concerns electricity generation, but we were connected to, to the old, old Soviet system and to the Russia. So we went step by step reducing the dependency and we started with the investment. We see the, the investment in the critical sectors as we describe them in the protection of the strategic sectors law and the saying that we will screen the investments and we are not waiting for the investments coming from Russia or Belarus or any other adversary countries. And that was a painful process. It cost, uh, costed a lot politically and otherwise, and there was also the resistance. But step by step, we reduced dependency on Russian companies. And we, you know, for example, Gazprom, a well-known company that gets shares in our natural gas, a company in Lithuania, so we pushed them away out from from our market, taking their stocks. That was, you know, also came with attention. So that was one part. Another part was to reorganize the supply of energy resources. So with oil supplies, the Russians helped us because they just shut off, cut off the supplies and just closed the pipeline, saying that uh, it's damaged. And the reason for that was that we sold our main oil refinery to Poland or not to the Russian company. So we developed all the sea ways to import oil. Then we decided to, to build LNG terminal, even we when we had the Russia as a natural gas source next to us, but because of the constant manipulations in prices and in amounts and in, in, in all the conditions, we decided to be independent. We paid the high price then for that you know, and in, in many ways, because there were many skeptics asking why you are doing this because you have natural gas. But it showed that it was the wise decision and, and the very inevitable one, the one that Europe is doing now in many countries that have the coasts and for the imports of natural gas. Finances. Same, there are no Russian banks or any other uh, non-democratic uh, or non-Western banks in, in Lithuania operating. And uh, after, the, after the war in, in Georgia, when Russia uh, intervened there, and after the war first phase in 2014 in Ukraine, we saw that uh, countering propaganda and all the 
all the hatred, uh, hatred that is coming from uh, Russia's media, and uh, and and uh, because we have to have tools in in this field, and we're probably the, one of the first ones that were just shutting down the propaganda channels in, in Lithuania, saying that uh, look, it is illegal to do what you are doing, and uh, to spread the disinformation and and war propaganda, and we were also criticized. But now it's one of the good practices that is applied elsewhere in Europe and worldwide, countering the other propaganda sources coming not only from Russia, but also from China through different means. And, uh, and in, in, in other fields uh, also with cyber, our, our, our development with the cyber security, and, and that was based on the very need to increase it because uh, Russia's cyber activities and operations and our networks were of the, of the amount and scale that uh, it was not tolerable. From, you know, in, 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 and, and those operations were in many directions for collection of intelligence information, of data collection, of uh, different interferences and, and penetration for the disruptive activities. So, so that was that was you know the big big scale whole of the government yeah. constant push and pressure on Lithuania. So we had to do this so to yeah. counter it, and and we succeeded. And then to the last elections that we had, the parliamentarian election, elections to our parliament in 2020, those were the most clear and clean and, you know, without the foreign, foreign action, actors' elections in, in our history. And that's the achievement also. Well, it is an achievement and uh, you're an absolute inspiration to uh, many nations, uh, not just through Europe, but uh, uh, th throughout the world and including in this region. You, you said several times there the need to reduce your dependencies. It's such an important element. Uh, of course, trade is vital. Uh, we all uh, need to trade uh, and trade with other countries. Uh, but once trade becomes uh, a, such a dependency that there is a power imbalance and then results in a number of those issues, you talk about the ability to coerce, uh, use propaganda. So the fact that you reduced your nation reduced your dependencies around energy, investment, finances, uh, is uh, a lesson to us all. Uh, you also talked about the high price that you had to pay. It is a key message to uh, those uh, people within government and industry who you meet, uh, Kustudis, that we need to be willing to go through a little bit of short-term pain to make sure we can actually have long-term sovereignty? Yes, that's, uh, that's uh, absolutely correct. And you need a strong political leadership to do this. You need strong people in, in the position to, to make the decision on this case, it's uh, very easy to find the excuse not to do it or to postpone the decisions and the cost will increase. And uh, for, for that, to support that, and in democracies, you have to prove it also to your societies what you're doing and why it, is, why it is needed. You need good examples and good practices to show. So that's what we are saying, Lithuania is saying, use us as an example of the bad cases of the all the coercive measures that we get uh, that we you know experience uh, also as an example of good policies good practices and uh, and and you know to in purpose to make this process easier and it is not like ideologically you know based decision just to you know to reduce the dependency or just cut off something or decouple but it's, it comes from the very understanding of risk management just take your current situation in whatever field of your you know, interrelation and just try to model different political, not economic, but political situations and think about, or even, I'm not even talking about the conflict, but in the case of the conflict, everything that you know, can harm you would be used. So man, model the situation and try to imagine being you know, with the red hat, with the adversary team, what would you do? 
And what, do you have the, any countermeasures for that? Can you reduce the risk in different ways? Who will help you? Who will not? And uh, you know what concerns all, all the map around you of institutions. And it will show you whether you're okay with that relation or not. Because what we had in Europe, we had this delusion in some of the countries that, for example, connections with Russia will somehow change the behavior of Russia or that would put Russia in a position where Russia wouldn't, you know, Russia's leadership, the Kremlin wouldn't allow, you know, to have harm on, on their side. But it was it was wrong because they when they go into a conflict and autocracies go to the conflict, they just don't care about the cost. Yeah, and especially that is indirect cost. So in our situation, from this risk understanding, we, we saw that with Russia or China, we are not in position to manage it in other ways. And it will be exploited for the political reasons, as we've seen previously, like with China. We had the, uh, we had the economic measures used against us when, for example, our previous president met with uh, Dalai Lama. That was immediate reaction. So having this you know, small example on this, we were modeling the bigger situations, for example, when the, there were considerations about the bigger investments in, into our strategic sectors. So if we had the you know, ex, you know, exploitation of this dependency then, so what will happen you know, if something bigger is, you know, is involved? So, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, leadership is required. You need to bring society along with you. Uh, and that's exactly what you've, you've done. I, I want to take us back to uh, the Russian war uh, on Ukraine uh, and uh, Lithuania's very strong stance and position and support in that regard. Uh, I want to read a, a quick passage from a speech from your prime minister um, who, uh, who uh, gave the speech a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, the, quote, uh, the quote is, I'm worried about a fatigue, not the fatigue of Ukrainian soldiers fighting through the rain of bullets, but the fatigue in Western societies. I am worried about the calls for a compromise or a quick pseudo peace. We, politicians, should be tireless in explaining to our societies that unfortunately there are no easy shortcuts to peace. We do not need 21st century chamberlains. We do not need a false peace that would give the aggressor the time to regroup, rearm and prepare for a potentially wider and more devastating war. Only our determination, strength, solidarity can prevail against an aggressor who neither respects democracy nor human life extremely powerful. Uh, there's no doubt Putin's war on Ukraine has galvanized Europe. For instance, we've just seen Finland joining NATO uh, with Sweden, hopefully, to follow soon. Kostoudis, uh, is this the new normal with the strategic need bringing countries into closer security cooperation? Or is there still a risk of conflict fatigue as set out uh, as a risk by your prime minister and for some countries to return to prioritizing the short-term economic interests that you've been talking about. Yeah, and it's, uh, this is the, not, not the politically uh, shaped position, but it comes from the very uh, national security understanding uh, how we see the situation uh, evolving and, and what, what, how, how we do, do we see the peace in, in Europe. So if we stop, and it, it comes from the understanding that if we stop the war ongoing right now in the conditions that are now, we have the Russia's intentions unchanged. They are the same. They were articulated right to us. We have the Russia's military capabilities, uh, you know, not so much weakened for and uh, that, that the ones that can be reconstituted yeah. in the medium term. We have the, the international structure damaged and we do not have the ways to, to secure 
for example, security of Europe. So what security guarantees can be then for Ukraine or for any other country after it, if there are still, and they are still, intentions uh, the same in, in Russia? It means that the only stop would be in favor for Russia and uh, whatever stop of the ongoing operation in, in the current conditions would mean that we reward Russia with, you know, with additional territories that they illegally uh, annexed uh, starting from 2014. So it means that we allowed ourselves for aggressor to gain. And it would be the, the worst thing you can imagine what you can do to the aggressor, you know, show that it paid off and that yeah. that's price that they're paying, they do not evaluate so much as we do lives of people costs huge cost economically that's not the things that value to them as much as for example to, to the democracies that's why we are saying that we have to continue as long as ukraine wills to continue ukrainian people more than 90 percent believe in their victory support their government believe that they will regain all the territorial integrity so it is our duty to support them with what we have we have still economic uh, foundations we can we can help them with finances with the military uh, supplies that we do and that's why we appreciate really and australia's uh, role in it so that we have to continue with this to the point when we will see the end of the war uh, with sustainable and that would create new peace in europe till we do not see it we cannot stop it and it's not about the fatigue and it's because you know even this thinking that uh, something can return to the conditions that were before that this is wrong it won't be we won't recreate our cooperation what was then uh, before the war started what we will have to do we will have to build our defenses our military defenses and our capabilities to the point when it will deter any aggressor be it russia be it china that's that's the message to the to the world to the free world of ours that we have to build defenses and on that when we are safe from the military from the hot security point from the soft security point talking about the hybrid threats on that we can build then cooperation and the ways how we will deal in the future but we are not here yet uh, excellent uh, and uh, couldn't agree more uh, we need to build our defenses uh, build that cooperation to ensure we build deterrence uh, very well said indeed uh, which is in large part what NATO is trying uh, to do and uh, we have a, a very strong presence uh, from NATO here in the Sydney Dialogue this week uh, Vilnius is hosting this year's NATO summit uh, your Prime Minister in that recent speech uh, said that Vilnius NATO summit must be transformative and historic in its nature. Kostutis, can, can you explain in more detail uh, about what Lithuania is hoping to achieve uh, through the summit uh, and what needs to be achieved through the summit? Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, after Madrid summit that uh, happened last uh, summer in, in Spain, uh, many decisions, important decisions were made. And one of them, uh, one of those decisions uh, was to move from uh, deterrence uh, by uh, punishment or deterrence by denial or what we say that we have to uh, have the forward de deployment and uh, have the deterrence from the and the defense from the very first inch of, of our territories so it makes you know it, it changes the thinking how we will you know fight in the case we have to and what we have to do you know in purpose to achieve that and uh, so the the this year is spent for planning and implementation of the first phases phases of these of this thinking uh, 
that we have to build capabilities, we have to deploy them further into the positions where it would be needed, and we have to you know, commit to develop it in the future. So we are looking for the new generation regional plants that will be based on the exact existing uh, forces and, and capabilities. We are also looking forward to, to agree on new force structure of NATO. We will have more uh, higher readiness forces uh, in alliance. Uh, the, the second the important thing that is you know, historic, that alliance will be larger, bigger. Now we have 30 countries. Uh, Finland uh, jo joined this week. And uh, we are still waiting for Sweden to be 32nd, but this is a historical moment. It means that uh, the, our border, our means NATO's border with Russia, uh, it increased and dramatically. And now yeah. Finland is, uh, has the longest border with, uh, with Russia because we had it before with Russia and Belarus. We had the longest border. So it's number two, of course, Ukraine. And then su su further support to Ukraine is very important in what we are doing and, and in, in providing them assistance in, in different different fields. And also we have to build the political track and get Ukraine closer to, to NATO. In Lithuania's understanding, there is no other solution to be secure and safe in Europe, being next to the aggressor as being member of NATO. You have to have Article 5 guaranteed uh, defense, collective defense. And, uh, and of course, our partnerships and, and uh, partnerships with uh, AP4, Australia included, is very important. We are waiting for Australia's prime minister uh, visiting Vilnius and, and coming to, to NATO summit and uh, talking about our threat, threat picture that we share globally, talking about the, our challenges that we face and uh, what we can do together in the future, talking about the countering different threats, strategic communication. There are many, many fields where we can do better. And I think that is more and more clear, this understanding, you know, that it is inevitable to reach out also for, for the NATO. Being North Atlantic, okay, yeah. but to be here in Indo-Pacific strategically, that's what we will develop in the future. Speaking about challenges, uh, simple question. It's actually very, very complicated. Where do you think the war is headed? It is, it is, uh, yeah, the, the situation is difficult in Ukraine. And um, to answer it uh, where it will be, you have to see the main factors that uh, make the, you know, influence uh, the result. And uh, of course, with the current situation, uh, we see that, you know, it, it forms around the stalemate because the, the move on the battlefield is very little to one or the other side. Uh, yes, we're very hopeful with the counteroffensive of Ukraine, and uh, we believe that there will be some certain momentum built from the military point of view that they would exploit it further, and then hopefully till uh, till the victory as they will d d define and uh, describe it uh, later on. And there are some certain factors that are important, they, we, and one of them is, of course, the, what we talked already. That's support for Ukraine. We have to understand that uh, in the way of the you know equipment and supplies. And, and stocks and ammo and training and everything, they are dependent on what we provide. It's not one of the you know, elements uh, that are nice, but the, the, this is the, the critical part. Another thing is, of course, the, all the other political support uh, that they need to, to, to keep up you know, and, and alive. Another part is uh, related to aggressor, related to, to Russia and Belarus. We have to keep uh, sanctions going and expanding. Still, there are some fields where we, we haven't covered that provide, uh, provide Russia resources for, for its war effort and for war machine. 
what concerns energy trade and, and different projects, for example, in nuclear energy and worldwide corporations that Russia, uh, Russia has. So we have to go after those. We have to put pressure on the, for example, the import of the technologies uh, to Russia. And be, to be effective, it's not only about it's not about uh, de democracies, EU, or, or the ones that you know cooperate and follow the, the, the way, and uh, like Australia, US, and, and other countries. But it also in and in convincing the other countries that stay aside a bit, and, and convincing them that this situation will have the huge impact on the world in the future. It's not something regional. It's yeah. not another conflict that happened, you know, for some reasons that some people may maybe don't know, but it will have the impact on international systems, on, on our trade relations, on you name the, the thing that is important in your country, I will just I will tell you how it is related to the situation in Ukraine yeah. and the ongoing war. So that's why we have to bring this message that this is the most black and white situation that you can imagine what happened we haven't seen you know the conflict that was based on the goal to just to grab the territory just to occupy and annex the other other countries territory definitely uh, uh, not just a regional conflict but uh, one with global implications you mentioned sanctions uh, just quickly uh, there is a debate uh, around the effectiveness of sanctions it sounds to me like uh, what you were saying uh, and it's something i agree with uh, that it's not uh, sanctions uh, themselves that fail, but it's the implementation of sanctions. So it sounds to me, because just like you were saying, we need to both look at uh, areas to place sanctions on which to place sanctions, uh, as well as ensure that uh, as many countries as possible implement those sanctions. Is, is that uh, is that your argument that uh, sanctions are effective so long as they're implemented uh, appropriately? Yes. And of course, it depends how you measure effectiveness, and it and if you measure, you know, by by its impact on the decision making, and if the someone had the hope or the you know uh, the will that uh, when we sanction something, that Putin will change his decision and you know just re will review his plans. No, that's not the point. The, the goal of sanctions is to have the impact on the sources of the economy, on on the sources that allow develop some certain technologies, for example. And yes, implementation is is very important part. And for example, EU, we are not the strongest at this part. Yes, we can be quick and you know and and uh, with the strong will to to you know to introduce them, but not to implement them yeah. and enforce them. Yeah. And we know how many ways of to circumvent sanctions are developed in in Russia, for example, and and they they find the channels through different countries, you know, to to get the to get the products and or services that they need. And uh, this is this is also the the challenge for all the countries that do that. And of course, some of the, some of us have better practices, like for example, U.S. with the OFAC in Treasury that go after you know some companies and, and persons. That's the path that EU has to follow, and different national countries also has to follow to develop this muscle to do this. And it's also very important what concerns, for example, China and, and different technologies, or for example, when we are implementing also sanctions against China, the ones that we have not one decade, it's also very difficult to enforce them when there's so complicated system of import that goes through different institutions, educational institutions, universities and companies, and you have to know how to you know navigate through the system to be effective. Absolutely. To be effective, you need to have uh, adequate enforcement. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, you, you mentioned China, and uh, I do want to 
uh, uh, ask a final question um, uh, for uh, for the podcast uh, on the relationship between uh, Beijing and Moscow. Your president, Kusudis, uh, and your boss, uh, Katanis Nusada, has been very frank in condemning Beijing's support for Moscow, saying that Beijing's motive is to prolong the war and its involvement has been destructive rather than constructive. Uh, as one of the a few countries that has been impacted by both Beijing and Moscow, what lessons can and should be taken for our region here in the Indo-Pacific from what is happening in Europe, including the intersection of economic and military interests? Uh, the cooperation between uh, Russia and China uh, is based on the on the expectation uh, that uh, the all the whole global system and, and global uh, structure of international security, including, will be changed in their favor. And, uh, and and their interest is, of course, to alter it in a way that would allow them to implement the practices that they already do inside their countries as being autocracies and also in relations with other countries. That would include, you know, different measures that they are applying without the, without the response, without, without the price that they're paying. And, uh, and uh, of course, there is also the interest that uh, the balance of power, so, so to say, would shift into their direction and the multipolar world will be, would be built in, in, in their interest. And it's not only about balancing, balancing powers, it's about also the very foundational values that we as the humanity believe in, and those are different. So with this big goal in, in, in mind, of course, there is the implementation part on, on the ground. And uh, probably there were more than 10 or so reasons for Xi Jinping to, to visit Moscow in this specific very specific and sensitive time and to, to show that Putin still has, uh, you know, the friends and, and has the supporters. That was the week when the International Criminal Court uh, issued uh, the, or indicted uh, Putin, so to say, for the war crimes that were committed. And, and this is the really serious thing that will go after not only him, but all the crooks. Uh, around him that that were implementing all this you know strategically politically political idea so it means that uh, also russia and china you know when they show the solidarity and partnership in those sensitive moments will be together for a longer period of time and they are now interconnected and they are coupled now in in this effort to reach the you know results that they're looking at and it's not only about ukraine that the result and it's not about the you know additional land that they want to uh, they want to russia wants to to occupy it's about reviewing the the overall relations we know that uh, uh, china assists uh, Russia in circumventing uh, sanctions, for example. Of course, they do not see it as circumvention, but in assisting in, in uh, sustaining their financial sector, for example, or other sectors for energy trade, uh, assisting in keeping up this level. So, and then politically also, and and, uh, and even even the peace proposition, those twelve points that contradicts, you know, in you know, in, in, in within themselves, uh, saying that we have to respect international law, they send the very bad message i don't know how they're making the decisions and what's the you know assessment pol political judgment process in, in china but sending these out into the world you know that are hypocritical in, in the very content this is the bad message you know to believe that you are seeking the peace you're seeking the settlement you're seeking the restoration of the situation that was before the war and uh, and for the cooperation yes you can build you you know you can build the forecast and, and models of how it will develop in the future and 
I do not see it even, you know, even looking from the from the so to say red team side, maybe they're not red team, but from the from their point of view, this is not also in their benefit. And then for Russia to be the to be the only source of energy resources and the and the one not equal politically with China, from China's side to have this becoming rogue state as the partner in international relations that has no friends and allies at all, only the ones that are absolutely dependent or, or you know, just bullied and forced to support those. This is not a good outcome. Do you think that the message that you're talking about uh, and the outcome uh, of Xi's visit to Moscow, the peace plan that was put forward that would effectively cede Ukraine land to Russia, do you think that message, which is clearly heard loud and clear in Lithuania, do you think it's been heard even louder and clearer uh, across all of Europe? On on this specific point, yes, uh, I, I'm sure that it was uh, seen as I described it, and it will have the impact on uh, Europe's further relations with China, how they will develop, because that's uh, you know that silence the voices of those who who are you know hopefully or some with some you know ill fate uh, thinking that uh, that we can build something you know more nicer if we will develop relations in different fields with china and especially in strategic sectors so here is the answer how it will work in the future in the case there will be some you know contradiction the fundamental one they will choose you know the wrong side and they are not bringing us in and on this we have to build also our risk management mechanism dealing with with china as the you know as the as the eu and and also you know rethink our political our political you know all the positions and and and, and relations so this is the these are the big times high times for for security policies in the future, and we cannot miss them because they are not wasting the time. Russia is not wasting time. China is not wasting the time. We do not, not all of us feel this, you know, urgency to yeah. go and act. Yeah, uh, there is an urgency. We have to act. Uh, you're definitely uh, advocating that very strongly. Kasudis Budras, National Security Advisor to the Lithuanian President. Thank you so much for joining us on the Aspie Pod. Thank you for participating so actively in the Sydney Dialogue. Uh, and I hope it's not long before you return to Australia for another visit. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's all we have time for today on Policy, Guns and Money. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks for listening.